When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Sergio Carlos is the right one. Afternoon and evening to wherever you are in the world right now. Welcome to the Right in the Gary Kelly's podcast. Dan here. What a week for Leeds as we've just had back-to-back home games against Crystal Palace and Brentford. And do we dare to get excited by the 100% American dream? I'm not so sure yet. On the show, we'll be talking about our medical team and how concerned we are that they're not getting a day off this season. And to wrap up this pod with a good game of Guess Who? Help me do all this. I'm joined by the two Matts. How are you doing, fellas? Hey, Dan. Good stuff. Well, let's get started then. So, it was another typically frustrating, stressful, frantic game at Ellen Road on Sunday that ended 2-2. It was, well, first half was brilliant at times then the second half just seemed to go to the pot a little bit it kind of summed up our season in a lot of ways that game actually what what did you guys think of it actually amongst all the um sort of excitement of Bamford scoring and us scoring yet another late equaliser or late goal that um affects the outcome of the game um sort of came out of the ground a bit off really because they were there for the taking I thought and or vice versa, if you were in the away and if you were in the away end, you probably thought that we were there for the taking. But it's the fact that basically six minutes basically cost us three, po- well, two points in the end. Mm-hmm. But I think it it's it's just a typical thing of I felt like they they didn't really offer much for best part of what 70, 80 minutes, like most of these teams that have come to us, and just sort of felt a bit like that Wolves game, didn't it? Apart from the fact that we went in front and then behind and then 
then equalised. It would yeah, just a bit more frustrated than anything really. Yeah, I have to I have to agree with that. I think it was probably two points dropped by both teams. If that's a thing, if that can be a thing. Um, yeah, I think on the whole though, uh, by the end of the game, I would have said a. Dr- me and my mates were saying like a draw were probably a fair result in the end. Like we were both like had a sort of sort of, both had spells in game, didn't we? And when they had us at two one, like I was fearing that they could get a third and a fourth. Everyone were like Phillips had got injured. Everyone were all of a sudden. Um, on defenders' back, Furpo didn't have a clue where he was again. Mm. He thought, "Geez, if any any good team had drilled us for another ten minutes and killed us off," but luckily they sort of seemed to just accept that they'd got two and up and just thought they'd sit on it. But mm. um, like, you can't complain though when you come when you score another 90, 95th minute goal. So it just shows what a, that these players are up for a fight. I think we, we like uh, last minute winners though, or last minute goals in December, don't we? At Leeds. Oh, yeah. Won't forget yeah. that Christmas in Uri, will we? Oh, I'd love another one like that, you know. <laughs> I won't mind it. Almost mirrored that um, Boxing Day week, didn't it? Oh, the, yeah. uh, Boxing Day, but not not quite that. Uh, not quite two free twos. That Blackburn game. I know we're going off a bit to- uh, off topic, that, but I'll never never forget that game. Just how ridiculous that was. How within five minutes you've li- you've literally feeling like crap to absolute elation it's yeah but yeah it's um, those last minute goals do give you that feeling actually and oh yeah yeah and don't forget there'll be some poor bugger against palace and brentford that were halfway beast and ill and missed both goals because <laughs> <laughs> they decided to call it a night early and get 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 back to the car before they at least he missed the traffic though matt he missed the traffic yeah. and that's what he wants <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree with Matt. I think um, I think at one nil, I genuinely thought you you would have been buzzing with that because these were two games, Palace and Brentford at home. That for me, we had to win. Looking at these fixtures in December that are coming up, and I think these were two, I think really important games for both for 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 us this week. You know, back to back as well, and to have lost against Brentford now, going in against you know the so-called top six that you know don't forget we didn't drop a point against them at home last season but I'm fearing them a lot more this year you know would have would have been disappointing and I'd be nervous about it but I'm 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 not now because we're showing a bit of fight and a bit of calmness and a bit of organization but like Matt touched upon you know Cooper Phillips both limped off as well we don't think we really know the extent of them injuries at this stage but yeah yeah a last-minute goal, you can't beat it, Ellen Road, can you? No. It's, it's funny, really, because, I mean, I know we, I know we touched upon it. Um, it just seemed how bizarre how that Brentford spell just came out of nowhere, if anything. Like, we looked last half an hour in the first half, because Brentford started quite well, didn't they? And then we got to grips of the game, and I can't remember Brentford kicking the ball for half an hour in the first half. And... I don't, I'm just trying to put my finger on it on what happened, really. You know, it's just mirrored the Spurs game. It's like they just played slightly better and we just looked like someone had, someone was like spraying bullets at us or something. We couldn't, we were running and there was no aim to it. And, you know, we, we need to find a way not to concede in those moments, really, because it's, it's costing us points now, isn't it? I don't know what it is because um, I think we touched on it a few podcasts ago, but um, there was in the space of, two games we conceded like straight from kickoff didn't we against Leicester and like literally three kicks of the ball from kickoff and that were it Uh, I know this isn't like any similar but it's almost like I don't know what it is whether it's like a attention thing or what but like straight after half time it just felt like 
didn't even have the excuse of hiding behind the fact that Bielsa was shifting the formation about. Like mm. they've got that set, and even though they were all confused when the when that when Cooper first went off after half time, obviously they'll have had 15 minutes to talk about that and get everyone there from where they're meant to be and everything. So I didn't really have that to hide behind, and it just felt like you said it felt really weird and a bit like that Spurs game where all of a sudden they got on the front foot and everyone just sort of didn't really sh- themselves. It just sort of. They seem to like just get sort of everything sort of not fell to him, but like mm. the thing with Dallas in Corn, it wasn't a foul. It just mm. they their player probably bounces off Dallas into touch. But yeah, it was just one of them. It was just like a very bizarre six minute spell, like it, like at Spurs, which nearly cost us another game. Yeah, because I mean, if you look, you because it's funny you mentioned that, and um, you can look even further back in the season that it's happened to us. That Man U game, first game of the season, we scored. And then they just ran a train through us immediately after it. And it's like you said, I, I, I honestly can't put my finger on it, on what it is. You know, is concentration? Is it just luck? But I don't know. I think it's something that we need to sort because, you know, that cost us that game. Um, there, again, <laughs> again, we're talking like lost. You know, we got the 2-2 draw. But, you know, that's the game we've got to be targeting to win. And, yeah, I just felt like, we're throwing goals away and you know when we're on top we're not as clinical it seems are we you know we I know we've scored but um in the first half but we could have got a couple more really couldn't we I think that's the thing people forget about last year actually that um obviously the probably the pressure of it was probably best sort of best case scenario that we could have had no fans probably for the first year in a Premier League sort of takes that sort of slight edge off it because we've discussed before that as good as Ellen Road crowd can be on the flip side when like for that five minutes um for the Brentford game all of a sudden everyone starts making everyone nervous don't they but um, like last year we were like incredibly clinical like you had Jack Harrison pinging balls in from 30 yard out and stuff and yeah. um Rodrigo took basically had uh, two chances at Burnley didn't he took them beautifully and then this year, it's like like that in midweek against Crystal Palace. Rodri- Rodrigo slap banging middle at goal from six yards out and like get trying out. to dance around the keeper, isn't it? <laughs> and it's like you say, it's a bit hard to put your finger on it. Like what exactly? It's obviously a confidence issue somewhere because I think um, I think Harrison sort of uh, exemplifies that that he's you can see him differing on ball as he gets he'll beat a man and then he's like. So you can just see that split second where there's all sort of sort of thinking about what they're trying to do next. And whereas last year, it all felt like clockwork. And when you've got confidence and you know where everyone is on the pitch and you, you play um, without thinking a bit and a bit. And now it just feels like they're sort of having to think just a little bit more because mm. whether it's whether teams have smartened onto us and stuff, I'm not sure. But obviously everyone's plan at Ellen Road is just to sort of fall on floor and waste as much time as possible. <laughs> this year yeah that's bad that's backfired in itself hasn't it really for getting the goals in added time so well, yeah i think um, we, we tweeted it yesterday didn't we like both yeah. Wolves, palace and um i mean palace you sort of knew palace was always going to hit his on break for that from three but that's three teams now that have sort of really tried to wind the clock down from probably half an hour in and all conceded with seconds to go on clock and it's like well all these teams down the bottom i think that's why we'll be all right Seems like uh, maybe not Newcastle now, but if they would have kept Bruce, the, the less you have the ball, eventually someone's going to punish you, aren't they? And yeah. You can't always just keep sort of sit back and just soak it all in. Eventually, all cave in. So 
Joey, uh, we have touched upon it. The injuries seem to be clearing before that game. You actually looked at the bench and there were options, weren't there? <laughs> Which, you know, we've not had at times. But then down go two more with Calvin and Liam Cooper going down. Obviously, at the time the recording, we don't actually know how serious injuries are. I've not heard anything um, yet. But, you know, it's once I know Bielsa said in his press conference that Calvin going off injured, then coming back on, it meant there was some disorganisation for the goal, which was interesting. And then obviously um, the subs that Bielsa made got a bit of attention as well. I think we only had like two defenders on at the end of the game and bringing on a winger for a centre-back. It's not orthodox, is it? Um, what do you guys think to the injuries and like these like positional tweaks? Because some people are saying just bring on Charlie Creswell, get centre-back like for like. Some people are like, yeah, fair enough. Furpo moved into the middle. Harrison went just in front of him. Not a big shift. It's interesting to hear everyone's thoughts on that, really. Yeah, I think, um, you know, two in, Aileen and Bamford, two out, Cooper and Phillips. I think mm. um, I think Cooper probably not as a bigger miss, I'll, I'll be honest, because you've got striking, like we said, Cresswell can easily play in that position as well, amongst others. But for me, I think Calvin's a big miss, as we've, we've, we've seen when he's been out before, because, you know, I've already mentioned strike. He tends to play strike in the Calvin role in times. Um, you've got Shackleton potentially in there. You've got a couple of the kids as well that could maybe come in, but they're not Calvin. Calvin is very pivotal to how we play. Maybe Dan James can play in the the, the kind of holding <laughs> role. I've got no idea. Um, you know, I think Robin Cox nowhere near for fitness. Good that four shows back, and he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, just shows you what a ball playing central midfielder that can get a, a bit nasty and win a few tackles and intercept can can do for our team. I think one player for me that worries me is Click. I think his performances have have never been the same since that first season when Bielsa came in, if I'm honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. I think I want so much more from him. And I think his performances have been brought off at half-time and potentially just coming on for a few minutes to go or not even coming on at all just probably shows where Bielsa sees him right now. And I think we need mm-hmm. we need him to really step up because we've got real big problems in that central midfield and, and defence now, haven't we? So... Yeah, let's see how, how severe it is. It, it occurred before when one of them two players have limped off and, you know, it was just a slight knock nothing to worry about and, and back for the following game. But I think, as we've not heard anything today, no positives or negatives, that does worry me slightly because you see oh, how long Ailey mm-hmm. and Bamford were out for as well, which were a lot longer than we all anticipated. So, yeah, let's see. Bielsa knows better than, than, than me. So let's see what he does for, for the next few games. Well, I think Cooper would. I think it were evidently his hamstring or something went, didn't it? Yeah. So um, probably what at least a month job. Um, we're not all doctors, like you say, but <laughs> but I think like I think now, like you were saying, the bench looked a lot better yesterday, and you saw it filled you with a bit of confidence that we had something to come from it. And if you swap and change a few players from starting eleven to sort of probably full strength um, of who were on bench yesterday. All, all of a sudden started to think that you've got a good squad and then like you say Cooper, Cooper gets injured Phillips gets injured but I think most obvious it'll be it'll probably be Farshaw who drops back won't it and mm. Phillips is don't know what's up with Strike don't know if Strike will be ready for next week because mm. he's the only other left-footed centre-half isn't he which Bielsa yeah. so. I think I read that he's was in recovery or something whatever that means um, hopefully not intensive care recovery but um is, you know, so I think he should be fine. 
let's hope so, because like you say, um, that's probably what otherwise Junior Firpo will be playing centre-back, won't he? <laughs> Might finally find his position. <laughs> <laughs> he may do, yeah. Matt's there, there we click, because he's really worried me for probably the best part of 18 months now. Like It just seems like he has complete route run himself into ground for that two first two seasons and then probably the first six months or when we were in the Premier League and then he sort of drops off, didn't he? Probably towards Christmas. And you sort of you sort of think because he I think he's over thirty now, isn't he? He's probably given his prime years to us and he's sort of just see it just feels like he's at a cliff, doesn't it? And he yeah it, well brick wall or gone off a cliff. He just doesn't know yeah, he, I don't know what it is. He just seems you don't seem to be anywhere near on on the pace. I think a few of them have felt like that this year, but now it might feel a bit better now that we've got a. And I think getting Ailing back gives us a few different options and have yeah. like play Dallas centre mid instead of having six keep sticking them at either right back or left back. I like Dallas at centre mid. I think uh, remind me remind me from wrong. I think did he play the Man City uh, away last season? I'm sure yeah. he did. Sure he played yeah. a central role. I really liked him in that position. Um, I know we were talking. Earlier on in the year about, you know, the likes of Dallas and Ailing, Bamford, Cooper, Click, about being at their peak. And they're not going to increase now in their kind of ability. And it's a bit like a FIFA rating, isn't it? You've got 78, 83. You're never going to get to 85 or, or 80, are you? It's always going to decline. And I think that potentially could be what we're seeing with the likes of Click now, if I'm honest with you. Like, I, I personally can't see the old Click coming through now of that first year under Bielsa be an absolute miracle um, because he's been off the boil for so long now. I remember the Euros where they let him uh, have a bit of time off uh, mm. towards the back end of the year to get him ready for the Euros. He did absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, well, it's, it's an interesting one. Like, if, if you had to play quick, what do you, what do you reckon is his best position then? Because I feel like he's played deeper in midfield, hasn't he? But I always kind of see him as an attacking midfielder. He's meant to be a goal-scoring midfielder, in my opinion. We're not, you know, it's not like 15 goals a season. But I always thought, you know, he had that reputation of being able to score a decent goal, didn't he? And get, you know, having a good engine and bringing people into play. You know, if you look where he was start last season, scoring against Liverpool, you know, he's popping up in the opposition box. I don't think he's done that much, really, has he? Especially this season. I can't remember him having many chances or anything. So it just begs the question, you know, are we, you know, are we getting the best out of him? He does, um, from memory as well, he does seem to be better when we're playing an out-and-out. If he's playing eight, as the eight in front of Phillips, he seems like he's a lot better when we've got a proper number 10. Like, this is this in anything against Roberts or Rodrigo, but obviously they've got more of a... Obviously, the born and bred strikers. The, yeah. Like, you could probably see that with the first goal for, with, with Roberts. He were brilliant yesterday, which we'll probably mm-hmm. talk on, but you, you didn't want to get stuck in around that edge area when they had that shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's probably just little stuff like that. So um, he's probably just not benefiting from being sort of in that in that balance that he's used to. But he's also just seems to just be. I think a lot of people have touched on it on Twitter. Just seems to be aggressively running out of steam, doesn't he? And yeah. can't, I'll be honest, I can't even remember remember him doing out in second half. Because mm-hmm. I noticed this against Palace again. You know, I think he started that game, didn't he? He got took off at half time. But I remember watching. I just saw him. He's just running. I can't remember him kicking the ball pretty much. And, you know, he can't get in the game. And whether, you know, that's him falling foul of the system or it's just him, you know, it's just in bad form. But, yeah, I do agree with you. I think four shots of return has been timely because, 
it's kind of coincided with Click just losing all form as such. And it could probably a good time to move on and talk about Tyler Roberts, actually, because obviously, you know, we can't claim to have always been singing Tyler Roberts' praises on this podcast. But, you know, we've had our moments. But um, as Matt said there, I think fair play to him. He's taken his chance last few last few games. I mean, I think it's probably coincided with that 20-minute cameo against Brighton where he just gave us something that we didn't have all game. And, you know, some may argue he should have scored, but at least he got the chances. And he's had two run-outs as a centre-forward and, you know, done well, actually. Done well with it. Um, and probably shows that that is his position. You know, I think we've tried to play him behind Bamford, even stuck him out wide. But I think, you know, he probably is a striker. You know, whether he's going to be our first choice striker is another matter, and especially with Bamford back. But it's going to take him a couple of weeks to get to speed. Um, so, yeah, what do we what do we think about Roberts then? Does he does he does he stay there for Saturday at Chelsea? I think he will. I think he will. I think I think Bielsa never likes to rush a player back, does he? And I think uh, Bamford will be our impact sub for for the next two games. I, I think. I think. Mm-hmm. I think with Roberts, I think um, you know he, he did what Rodrigo should have done in the, the the game against Palace and got his foot on that ball, didn't he? And I think yeah. um, you know I think I've always thought that Roberts. I've always seen him as a striker. I remember a time in the Championship he played off Bamford with good effect. Him and Hernandez kind of shared that position. But he's had a bad rap on it this season. Um, but we've always felt there were a player there. It's just, mm. is he a player at this level? And uh, who knows? Goodness me, I'd love to see him bag a few more. But his history shows with, with Roberts, his time at Leeds United, he's, he's not a prolific goal scorer, is he? So let's see, mm. let's see. He's good when he's going well, isn't he? Like, you saw that at Southampton, um, mm. him and Rodrigo, when actually we're against the wall. And as much as they were probably feeding on scraps, they just didn't look like they were going to get any involvement in that game. Neither of them wanted to see it sort of drop deep or whatever. They just weren't working. And you thought, oh, he's, he's not coming back from this sort of thing. And then I think he had a couple of other sub-appearances and everyone were having a go at him. But like Dan said at Brighton, um, if he t- tooks that chance, probably decent save by keeper. If he tooks that chance away at Brighton, he's got two goals in one of the most important weeks that we'll probably have this season. Yeah, true. I know, I know it's all if buts and maybes, but he said, well, scored yesterday, important goal. But yeah, you probably couldn't have asked for a better week off him, especially with Bamford backing. Sometimes you wonder with something like that, that's just giving him a kick up ass. That's just thought, right, mm-hmm. I have to try and stake a claim here and get, get in this team. If, if I really try and keep him out, like there's, everyone's going to be wanting Bamford in the team. So he's not going to... And I think there was, Bamford said yesterday, like he felt really rusty. So I can't see him starting against Chelsea. Or, like oh, Matt said against Man City, it's, as much as you would want him playing and Bielsa will want him playing, you've got to think as well, is it actually worth risking him in yeah. games like that? But you don't want to throw in towel before you've even started the game. <laughs> well, you, don't, you, you don't want to knacker him either. You don't want to break him when he's just just got back, you know, by throwing, giving him 90 minutes away at Chelsea where we're not you know, expected to get anything, do you? I think sliding on his ass has probably done him, if I'm honest with you. Probably wouldn't start <laughs> against Chelsea if you want for that celebration. Um <laughs> I think I think with Roberts as well, you've got to think when Bamford first picked up his knock, he was playing Rodrigo up top, then Gellhart, then it was Roberts wanted it. And I think mm-hmm. Roberts has taken that chance out of the free. So Roberts wanted his first choice to replace Bamford initially, was it? So yeah, yeah, like Matt said, if you take that chance at Brighton, if it wouldn't have hit the woodwork, then yeah, we'd be talking, you know, this probably wouldn't have been having this discussion. It'll be, yeah, Bamford in battle, Liverpool, you yeah. know. So 
Yeah, let's see. I think, um, you know, fair play to him. It's been well overdue and hopefully he can kick on from here. Yeah. So I don't know, I might get powers for this, but I, you know, I prefer, at the minute, I prefer Roberts up front to Rodrigo because, you know, not just not because I don't rate Rodrigo, but he's not he's not an out and out striker by looking at him this season, is he? He's dropping deep. He's, um, you know, he wants to get on the ball. Sometimes he's coming back to the halfway line and he's probably doing what you know Harry Kane's doing for Spurs at the minute. You know, he, he's not getting the chances because he's not finding himself in the box enough, and. You know, and then it gets to the point where when he is in the box, he's trying to, you know, take a touch, do this really impossible touch to try and take it around the keeper and think, rather than just doing Robert Roberts to stick your leg out and try and get, you know, get it on target. So I think he de- I think he deserves to keep his place definitely. And you know, I, I wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised if he does if he does bag um, in the next couple. But let's uh, let's hope for let's hope with that one. <laughs> so. We have mentioned, obviously, the next few games we've got are a bit daunting, to say the least. With December's fixtures, I mean, it's a funny one, really. What do we think? I know the last season we went unbeaten at home against you know, the so-called top six, but I think, you know, Matt's been mentioned it a lot of its confidence. You know, this season's going to be a bit different, I think. Into, you know, Liverpool have already turned us over at Ellen Road. Um, you know, what do we think about December going forward? What would be a good return? In your eyes. We talked about it last year, didn't we, about fearing, well, in December or November, I can't remember now, we had a, a tough run of fixtures and we came through them pretty, pretty well, if I'm honest with you. I just look at them this, this season with a completely different different approach. I'm, I'm not necessarily worried for us because like I touched upon earlier, I think we're starting to settle down a little bit now. Um, but, it's it's daunting, isn't it? It's not it's not a great a great view. You know, Chelsea, City, Arsenal, Liverpool, and then Villa at home. Then just before Christmas, I think we've got some very tough games, and that's why I felt Brighton, Palace, and Brentford were three very very important games for me. They were bigger than the Chelsea, Man City, and and Arsenal, Liverpool games. If I'm honest with you, because you can kind of go into them games as free hits, but them three are kind of must wins in my opinion. So. Yeah, to come out of it with, with five points, it's not too bad. Probably wanted a little bit more. I think Brighton, we should have done a lot better than what we did. Um, but yeah, let's go into it with with nothing to lose. The City game really interests me because of last season's performances against home and away against them. You know, for Chelsea, we got turned over at their place. And obviously, we know about Liverpool, you know, what they've done to us. So yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting, but I don't think we need to fear it. And um, those Leeds fans that are that are going to City and Chelsea away are going to have a fantastic day out, that's for sure. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, it was mental that you just said this, like, well, probably 10 years ago, but out of all those fixtures, you probably, even that, including the Villa game, you're probably thinking Arsenal at home, that's got to be the one that you've got to pick up three points from. I know it's mm-hmm. a big task, but on, they're still sort of in a transition, aren't they? And you, you never know what sort of team that they're going to get out. And this, it do seem to be one of these teams that if you do, if a crowd sort of gets on them at a sort of hostile environment, it feels like there's a few players that will fold under pressure if it's not going their way sort of thing. A bit like what we were saying with probably like Roberts and Rodrigo. If some, if some of these players, they're obviously they're used to pampered lifestyle, aren't they? Everything's got to be uh, nice and laid out for them on a red carpet. Especially in London. Exactly. <laughs> I think you've got to, that own game's like pretty crucial and I think it'll be rocking and Playing like 
City, well, you're playing the Champions of England and Champions of Europe twice in four days. You've just got to really in them, haven't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we mentioned it last year. I think we have a template to actually cause City a few problems. You know, I mean, they're, they're a little bit different to, say, like Liverpool. It was just all action. I think we struggle against them because of, the, you know, the amount of pace and directness that they are. But Man City are a bit more methodical, aren't they? You know, you can get them on the break a little bit. Um, as we did last season and you know that game at Ellen Road obviously was fantastic but you know the one at the Etihad was potentially even better for us as fans so you know I think I think like Matt said if we can get three points out of one of them great and then obviously after Christmas work gets to get on with Villa and Burnley then where you know we need to start picking points it's just you know, you don't really want to be going into those games after Christmas having picked up on the back of four losses. Um, you know, potentially a lot of goals conceded. You don't know, do you? So it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I think a lot of our chances might rest with if Phillips is fit, really. I think, I think you, if you're going to take it sort of on a glass half full sort of take, like Chelsea almost like were probably inches away from getting turned over by Burnley at home over week, like. Mm. And City got to, still drew with them. And I think Burnley missed like a right chance in the last minute, didn't they, or something. But mm-hmm. and Man City got turned over by Palace 2 0 at home. Which 2 0? Remember off the top of my head? Um, yeah, I think it was. Like, yeah. These teams aren't invincible. And I think Liverpool have been turned over by West Ham. I still think like they're probably, when you've got, and they'll lose him soon for a month. But like when you've got to play like Salah in form, and like and Dan touched on it, they. Liverpool sort of have that different dynamic where they are incredibly clinical. And we saw that at Ellen Road, didn't they? It's like Trent Salah, bang, game's gone. Mm. From from your city, a bit more. You just don't know. They haven't got, they've still not got a proper centre-forward, have you? And you just don't know. Sometimes if you catch them on that day, they're all world-class players, but sometimes if you just catch them on that day where they're sort of panicking and not, might not be just in tune, you just never know. Like last year, they missed a boatload of chances against us and... It was probably the biggest yeah. crap that we've ever seen, but you just don't know. I think like mm-hmm. just got to second as a bit of a free hit. I know I don't really like the term, but it is basically, yeah. especially when you're playing them twice in four days. It is, yeah. So as always, we've got the Leeds United thoughts straight after the full time whistle on Sunday. Um and as you can imagine, it was a split one really. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on the podcast by reaching out on all socials at RITJK. So, a regular on the fans' thoughts, CJ Slater, said, if you can't win, don't lose. As for this difficult run of games, City, Chelsea and Liverpool all play sat Wednesday, Saturday. As to where we play Saturday, Saturday, they'll have burnout and we should fancy our chances. I think we'll take points off those top four. Shawnee 63, it's hard being a fan. Can't we just run them off the park and win it outright in eight minutes, please? Oh, my heart. And Nian Face, I think I said that right. <laughs> Glad to see Roberts get a goal. So deserved. Brentford resorted to dirty tactics and we just didn't give up to get a point. I'll take it. But yeah, need to be winning those. Oh, and Paddy, with love. Nian Face. Nian Face. How did I say that, mate? It's at Nine Face. It's Nine. Nine. I think, I think oh, it's nine, 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 nine. Yeah, yeah, like no face. <laughs> as soon as I read that one, I thought someone's dropped something in here. German whites, isn't it? German whites. I'm more, more on the Japanese whites myself. Yeah, that's a separate podcast, that. Well, yeah, so sorry. Yeah. 
needs a bit of context that but whatever um <laughs> but yeah interesting um i mean to be fair to cj slater he's thinking he's thinking points there isn't he i mean he's it, yeah it's interesting with i mean to be honest they're all used to playing midweek aren't they and, you know even though pep seems to think he hasn't got the squad um to keep cope with all these midweek games i'm sure he has um but yeah, you, you would theoretically say we've got longer to build up for it, so that must be an advantage. But problem that some of these teams have got are they've already threw in Champions League, aren't they? Like City have already won the group. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Now you know. Yeah, that's it. I think I think nine face. You know, medical point of that. Brentford's dirty tactics. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we tweeted about it at the weekend. Did Matt about Wolves Palace and Brentford all all tried to time waste and. And obviously they conceded a goal by us at last kick of the game. That's a wrap for part one. Coming up, we're talking about the LUFC 49ers. And a guess who? I'll see you on the other side. Hi, I'm Don Matteo. And when I'm sat in the rock bar having a pint, there's nothing better than reading and listening to write in the GaryKellys.com. So we've introduced a chance for you guys to support us this season by becoming a Writing the Gary Kelly's patron member. For as little as £2 a month, you can help support the work we do and make sure that we can continue to bring you our podcast series and our in-depth online articles about the football club that we all love. That's good, Vic. Two quid, you can't even buy a decent cup of coffee for that these days. Come to think of it, did you see Birmingham City Football Club? They're selling chips and a cheese slice for four quid. Absolutely criminal. For £3 a month, you can also get early access to this podcast before it goes on general release and come and join us for a monthly Q&A and talk all things Leeds, plus much, much more. Not forgetting, for £5 a month, you can get to join us for a Q&A, early access to episodes, a live recording of each podcast, and you'll also get the chance to join us on the show as one of our loyal members. I tell you what, that's not bad at all, is it? And the best thing about us setting up as a membership is that we'll be delivering you an ad-free podcast and you don't hear that very often these days. It's our unique selling point. So becoming one of those patron members helps fund what we do, it helps continue to deliver this podcast and you never know, we could even share some cheesy chips together before the end of the season. I guess you've summed it up perfectly. We go ad-free so we don't spoil your listening experience with legal advice and ball trimmers. Sounds like a good deal to me. Head over to patreon.com forward slash RITGK to become a member today. Hi, I'm Johnny Alson. I'm a big fan of the Right and the Gary Kelly's podcast. So this week, David Ornstein from The Athletic reported that the San Francisco 49ers, who currently own a percentage of the club, have an option to buy the club outright in January 2024 for about £400 million, pounds, I think it's reported. So, I mean, what we're saying about that, lads, obviously is just speculation. I don't think there's anything kind of new there that we didn't know, but, you know... Um, what, what do we think about the Americans bringing the soccer to the UK? So we're going to get some giant fingers. The Leeds Soccer Stadium. Yeah. Hot dog. What else could we call it? Um, I'm not really sure. What else do they call stuff? Whatever we call it, can we start singing Dirty Leeds Filthy Rich again? Are we last, <laughs> are we, are we last start singing that? What's going to mm. happen? Are we going to have a rotated NFL pitch? I mean, the Leeds Peacocks is happening. 
Let's be cops. London Jaguars or whatever the track. Oh, yes. Forget. We're going to beat them. <laughs> Everyone wants to be a peacock as well. So. <laughs> I just can't be arsed with NFL. It's like you're literally there for like, I love Ellen Road, don't get me wrong. But I couldn't be arsed being there on a Tuesday night for seven and a half hours. <laughs> well, what half time entertainment would you like to see brought in? I'd just get Lucas and Copcat back out doing dizzy penalties. Yeah, I was going to say dizzy penalties. I'd, 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 I'd be happy if that were returned. We're just going to get a Kaiser Chief concert every now. <laughs> show sponsored by the Kaiser Chiefs. Josh Warrington comes on on uh, fourth quarter. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think it's any surprise to your question. I don't. You know, we're talking off air about you know clubs being invested in. It tends to happen. It happened at Arsenal. You see the percentage of a football club. Uh, being increased by a majority stakeholder, and I think it was was pretty obvious that the the 49ers weren't just going to put five percent in, and that's it. That, that they're done for. They're, they've invested into Leeds United for a reason. Um, I think what needs to be applauded is how Rads is flipping the club from a 40 million purchase to a potential 400 million pound uh, sale of the football club. Um, you know that needs to be applauded in a way, doesn't it? So he's he's clearly. Um, you know, obviously that's what he came into Leeds to to achieve in a way is is take a sleeping giant and make him a global brand. And I think if he can walk away January 2024, 400 million pound sale, he's done exactly that, hasn't he? So fair play to him. But then then it goes on that uncertainty of um, an American ownership at a football club, and you've seen in the Premier League and in English football some successes and some terrible failures of American ownership. Uh, Aston Villa mm. being one of them. Uh, Liverpool before uh, Fenway Sports under George Gillette and Tom Hicks was a complete disaster at one point for that football club, um, and there's probably a lot more that we could we could name. Um, but then again, there's been successes as well. So I think what I like about the the 49ers is that they've been with us now for and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they've been in four years now at the club. So it's not like they're just rocking up with a master plan like Newcastle and they're going to buy Mbappe in, in the Championship. You know, they, they know the club, they know the fans, they know the culture. So it's not like they're coming into it blind. So that probably eases my concerns a little bit. And um, yeah, with, with that in mind, I can only see it being a good thing, really. Mm. Well, it was a, um, well, probably a bit like Rad's, really. It was probably like a gamble sort of worth taking. But I know Rad's probably isn't, it's, it's probably not as rich as what we, uh, I guess we think he will be in two years' time by the looks. But um, like for them, I bet, investing was it what was the original thing 10 percent or 15 percent um um, for them that's probably a drop in ocean because these nfl teams they're worth some of them are worth billions aren't they like they're the really wealthy um sort of individuals who are running these these teams so like them investing 15 percent was probably sort of like i say dropping ocean and a gamble worth taking on a club that gets into the premier league and if they just keep investing in us, then you you never know where it's gonna go. It's like uh, and like we were saying, um, Matt touched on Liverpool. I think we were discussing it earlier in our in our chat, weren't we? The current owners have still dropped a few clangers at Liverpool, and this like even with the Super League stuff. Oh yeah, Super League. They obviously didn't not necessarily tone deaf on it all, but they've still dropped a few clangers, and you sort of see the odd thing from. Liverpool fans, but as soon as they get told, they know what to do, and I think that's with 49ers. That's what that's what it'll be like with them. Like Matt was saying, they've been with us three or four years now. 
they'll they'll know how we react like when they've seen like we were saying with the super league stuff um before we came on they effectively shut it down before it even started and we weren't even involved they obviously know the power of uh, the fan power that we have here and they'll they'll listen like like Matt says they'll abort into the culture of like in Liverpool in a sense it is a different football club to going and buying an Arsenal down in London or Man United or Man City like who are probably now global global brands and that's probably what they want but we are we, we do have that sense don't we of um that we are still like a proper football club um and it's something that we're all pretty proud of mm. yeah it'll be interesting to see how we played out because you know fans you know, some fans can be quite fickle, can't they? So, like, so as, as long as they pump money into the club, spend big money, they're happy. Some people, you know, and this is probably what, you know, we like you said, Matt, we, we pride ourselves on, you know, we're Leeds United as a football club. We all love, you know, we've followed them through thick and thin. And, you know, like, you know, we joked with like the stadium names and stuff. But, you know, do you remember that Red Bull rumour when we thought we were going to be going to Red Bull Road or whatever it's called? You know, it would be interesting to see. Proper trolled as well because they kept parking their Red Bull car outside Ellen Road, didn't they, on a on a Thursday morning for laugh. And you then got the post... a few free Red Bulls, didn't you? Well, let's not talk about that. But um... <laughs> <laughs> but um, they um, they they park outside Ellen Road and then tweet it to their Twitter account of something like seventy five million people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was um, an interesting period for the football club, and yeah, we could have had a Red Bull Arena right now, yeah. Red Bull Leeds. It is amazing, isn't it? Because at that point we was we, you think back and we were we were genuinely getting that desperate, weren't we? Where we were like, yeah. call it call it Red Bull Ellen Road, put Red Bull on his own kit as long as it gets us back in Premier League. Like some of us were getting that desperate, weren't we? Where we were oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan was drinking a crate of it a day at one point. <laughs> yeah, I was I was shaking. I could tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I guess that just goes back to it. Like you say, fans can be a bit fickle, can't they? You know, as long as they see money pumped into the club, and um, I guess it's the th- pro- fifth problem that Newcastle are going to have now. They're going to expect to be spending billions, aren't they? Um, you know, it's not that simple. They've got to stay in the league first, I guess. Um, that would be hilarious if they went down. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for them trying to pass financial fair play in the championship. <laughs> Right, anyway, it's that time of the show again as we play a good old game of Guess Who. So, if you're new to this game, it's the show that everyone in LS11, probably all the LS postcodes actually, are talking about. It's dead simple. I'll give our panel three guesses to name the ex or current Leeds United player. It's as easy as that. Well, I wonder if the WF yeah. postcode might get involved in this as well, because there seems to be a lot about the LS, though. It's, yeah, that's how we branched out a little I bit. I do forget about Wake. Yeah. I forget that you're from there, aren't you? You're yeah, yeah. Johnny Olsen as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Morley, no, Morley's LS, isn't it? Yeah, it's LS. I was going to yeah. say, bloody hell, he's going to be fuming with that. Yeah, sure maybe, we maybe we can branch out. Any right. postcode lovers out there, do get in touch and, and shout yeah, tell out. Yeah, tell us what, maybe that's it. Yeah, tell us what postcode yeah. you have and we'll give them a shout out on the next Definitely. show. Definitely. Right, so number one, this player is a defender and he joined the club in 2010. Oh, Patrick Kuznobo. <laughs> oh, 
switch to it in there. Yeah, I know. I had to be got it off that to be fair. Uh, uh, first season back on it in championship. Can't remember any of the defenders that was that. Well, we did go. We went through some defenders, didn't we? Early championship. I think we had a new centre back pairing every season, didn't we? Uh, I can't believe we went for Paddy Casnobo. He was League One, wasn't he? He was there in the championship, weren't he? Just I don't think yeah. he played much with injuries. Well, he played in obviously he played for January third game, and mm. obviously played for the um, Bristol Rovers game in League One as well. So he was around that season. Um, so he signed for the well. Obviously, I'm out now. Actually, yeah, I can't think. I, I was going to guess Darren O'Day, but do you think he was the year after? Mm. Good shout, but no, it's not that one. Darren O'Day. Right. Went to the MLS. Uh, yeah. MVP. Uh, half, a, half a point for that. I don't know. What do you want with that one? No, I'm just saying. I just, you know. <laughs> yeah. MVP, that's what we'll be having soon. We'll have an MVP. <laughs> MVP of the quarter. <laughs> It'd be funny when uh, Calvin asks for a £17.5 million contract as soon as the uh, 49ers get 100% control. Mm-hmm. He signed from Ipswich and made 29 appearances for the club. Over a two-year, I think it's a two-year period, he was at Leeds. Defender signed from Ipswich, 2010. Yeah. Made 29 appearances. Goodness me, who did we sign from Ipswich? It's a tough one, this, to be fair. I didn't know we signed him from Ipswich. You always do a tough one. <laughs> we were talking about this last time. <laughs> <laughs> the other week he had us guessing the club captain that no one knows. Is he a left back? No, he's not left back. Damn. You get you'll get it off this third clue, don't worry. From Ipswich, don't don't give me the clue yet. Twenty ten, signed from Ipswich. He only made twenty nine appearances. Did he sign or was he on loan? No, he signed. Probably sat in the car screaming at the. Uh, if, if they are, then I'm impressed by him, I must say. You see, I'd say Bersoni, but he would have left back and he came from Swansea, but did he go via Ipswich? And he would have absolute dire, but Bersoni for me is League One. I, I just see him in League One, I can't. Because that first season in the Championship, is it the 2010-11 season or 9-10 season he joined? Played on loan at Leicester um, before he signed from Ipswich. But um, I just saw a picture of him playing in a Leicester kit and I was like, did he play for Leicester? It was on loan before. So is it the 10, going back to my original question, did he sign in 9-10 or 10-11? Uh, that makes a big difference. 10-11. Right, championship season. Yeah, championship season. Oh, dear me. This could proper do me head in this one. It's going to be really obvious, isn't it? Longest podcast ever now. <laughs> it's heading that way. I just shall, I, shall I answer clue three? No, because I ain't given a clue two. I ain't, I ain't answered two yet. I can't, I can't pass. So he, used to play for, he used to play for Leicester, signed for Ipswich. We signed him on 2010-11 season. He made 29 appearances. And he's a defender. I think of a bonus clue for you. Was it? Who? I said Connolly, but I can't remember... Um, no. Oh, Paul Connolly. Oh, no, feel... it's not Paul Connolly. Is it Tony Capaldi? <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, again, <laughs> I think that's League One. Um, uh, right, do you want me to give you the clue? 
Well, we've both guessed two, so you've got to do, haven't you, now? That's the rules. Yeah. So, he left Leeds, joined Hull, and the manager was his dad. Ah, oh, goodness me. Brucey. Brucey, Alex Bruce. Yeah, Brucey. Alex Bruce. Bruce. Technically, I said Brucey before Matt did, so. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that does go to Matt Beadle. Well, no, because his mic dropped out, actually, so you can't get it with Alvin it. Um, goodness me, I can't remember who we were playing now, but I remember Bruce and Schmeichel. Schmeichel were in goal, first season in Championship, and they made an absolute calamity back pass, or Bruce left it for Casper, and it went straight through it, and that was it. They, they were never going back then, too. Yeah, the, it's funny, the, I think uh, Bruce did an interview or something saying one of the reasons why I joined Leeds was because... Schmeichel was there and obviously the dads were mates from time at Scotland, weren't they? Um, yeah, it didn't really didn't really do much for us. Um yeah, and then he left. I think he went on t- he went out on loan, I think second season. I think he played a bit first season, didn't he? But second season I think they shipped him off towards his field, I think. Um I wouldn't have said we but, got him from Ipswich though. That's um which yeah. he always followed his dad around, didn't he? We actually looking on a well-known um, website, he made 115 appearances for Ipswich, which was the most for anyone that he made in his career. Oh, that's interesting because I know, yeah, he's, always know that. Fo- he's always followed his dad round. Um, mm. It's an interesting one that I wouldn't. That's why I never placed him at Ipswich. But yeah, I think the problem with Alex Bruce is just he was never gonna ever ever gonna be warmed by the Leeds fans, and especially with Casper as well, where you look, you know, mm. obviously. We shipped Casper off for a million to, to Leicester and didn't even didn't even wave goodbye to him and look at the career he's ended up having at that football club. So and he's had a lot of shit when he's come back over the years, hasn't he, as well as Casper. So mm. yeah, I think I think yeah, if, if Alex wanted to play with Casper at a club, I don't think Leeds were that football club for them too, really at the time. No. He did play for Republic of Ireland, did Alex Bruce. I know this is becoming a bit of the Alex Bruce historical session here, but you know. This is what happens on guests too. Nostalgia. Oh, absolutely. Remember Liam the Cooper's, good times. Liam Cooper, Scot- Scotland's through and through, you know. it's Yeah, it just shows, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, good one, that. guys for joining us obviously and thank you everyone for listening obviously big month of fixtures for Leeds United um, I'm sure we'll be back very soon but until then let's enjoy the games and let's have fun see you all later
Social Podcast Network.